I just want to thank you guys, who, whoever came, because you really got into it. We didn't know how many people would wear a cowboy hat or uh, go for the full outfit and stuff. Um, it turns out some of you are strange and you just had a full outfit anyway. Um, but I just want to say, it, it, part of the success of the evening was just that everyone was just up for it and uh, got into it and everyone was good spirited when they'd queued for 40 minutes and then we told them there's no food. Um, hardly anyone complained to my face. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just good, man. It's just uh, you guys showed some class, which is uh, always a good thing. So uh, we're carrying on. Bob, by the way, I'm, I'm Rick, if you miss me. I'm part of the staff team here. And uh, so we're carrying on in, in a series called Beyond. And we've been doing this for a few weeks now. We've had Beyond Words, uh, Beyond Belief, uh, uh, Lots of different ones. Check out the podcast, uh, St. Albans. Uh, if you go onto our, our website, uh, thevineyardchurch.co.uk, you can get the, the link there or just go onto iTunes. You can catch up. But basically, we've been doing a series called Beyond. And for me, what we have been doing is looking at different um, areas like belief, like words or actions, and saying, um, have we settled for less in this area? Have we settled for less in what we believe, in how we live, in how we uh, go about our lives? And is there something more? Is there something beyond where we are right now, how we're living right now, who we are right now? So this has been, for me, the interesting thing every week, just, just looking at these different topics and going, okay, um, is there more I can do? Is there more we can be? So we're going to carry on this week, and uh, we're going to look at um, a topic called Beyond Gathering, which is going to maybe need some explaining, and and, and we'll get there. But I just want to um, start by reading the verse that we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to be actually jumping around quite a bit um, this morning. But if you do have a Bible, you're welcome to kind of look this up. So it says in, uh, this is John 13, uh, verse uh, 34. It says, so now... I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So this is kind of the the verse we're aiming for. And we're not going to do much with this at the moment. We're going to come back to this at the end after we've done, uh, been around a bit. And hopefully this is going to become more clear. But this essentially, this, this, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples um, shortly before he was arrested and tried and crucified. And essentially what Jesus has done up to this point is he has um, begun teaching. He, Jesus uh, lived pretty much in a fairly quiet life for about 30 years. We, we know hardly anything about him from scripture, from anything written down. We, we, we see him kind of a, a very young age and at 12 and different things, but it's, it's kind of, we don't really know what happens. But at the age of around 30, Jesus begins to publicly travel around and teach and, and he begins to heal people and do miraculous signs that people are just like, wow. And uh, suddenly he begins to get a following People begin to want to hear him speak. They want to be around him because suddenly, somehow, he magics up food. Okay, these miracles, you may have heard of them, the bread and the fish. So it's good to be around Jesus because, you know, he's entertaining, he's a lovely guy, and you get free food. Okay, I don't know about you, it's one of my values in life, the free food thing. I'm there. Um, And Jesus, actually, even though he had sort of general followers who were just were interested in him, I guess. He actually had some specific people that he'd chosen. 
And you'd know them as the disciples, the 12 disciples, and various other people who would support his ministry. So at this point in his life, actually, in the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus, Jesus has done a whole bunch of stuff for, for three years. And he's gathered around him this kind of nucleus of followers. And uh, this is an interesting thing, this, this word gathering. You might hear, the more you spend time here at the vineyard, the more you hear the word gathering. Okay? Because we have, uh, we have kind of three words that help us work out what we're, what we're doing anytime we're doing anything here. And it's the three G's we call them. Gather, grow, give. So as a church, we believe that um, we should gather people. Okay? And also we believe that God's a gatherer. We believe that Jesus is about calling people to himself. So yeah, we invite people to the church. We throw on good events and we try and do all kinds of stuff. But at the same time, we're putting that effort in. We believe that God himself is speaking to people and, and drawing people to himself and, and somehow getting them along. So God's a gatherer. And also we, then we, our second thing is growing. And we want to grow together to understand who God is, to understand who we are and what we can do with our lives. And then our third value, just so you know, is, is to, to give which is to give away uh, the good things that God <coughs> excuse me, uh, gives us. So we give away, I think, around 13% of our, our income a year to, uh, to various charities and people who need it, and we try and bless people like that. But also we give our time, we give our efforts. We have huge teams in this church that, that run uh, different things and try and bless people. We have a, a ministry uh, called Feed, which looks to feed anyone who needs feeding we have a money management team that looks to help anyone who's suffering and if you need that at the moment if you're in a funny financial place and I guess we all are at the moment uh, you can we've got a money management team could help you budget and plan and we've got various other things we've got small groups that meet all kinds of stuff but that gives thing we just give it away but anyway back to the thing so Jesus at this point in his life has gathered these guys together He's got a, a team around him, and they've seen Jesus do amazing things. They actually themselves have done some amazing things as well. But right now, Jesus, is, is, he knows what's going to happen to him. And he's got these last few moments before he's crucified with his disciples. So these words, and if you go to John, John's Gospel, uh, pretty much from chapter 13 till, till the end, it, it is consumed with Jesus this long prayer he prays before his crucifixion, then the actual passion of the Christ. It's actually the, the gospel that spends the most time on it. So these words of Jesus from, I guess, 13, uh, quite up and through 15 and 16, are amazingly important because this is essentially what Jesus wants them to definitely know they should be doing and definitely understand about who he is and who they are. So these are important words that, that we just read. And what Jesus says is, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now straight away, and we're going to come back to scripture at the end, but straight away, I love the fact that Jesus is not just content with having gathered some people together. And I want you to know that um, as a uh, kind of a staff team, we're not just happy that we've got a large church with people in it and activities. That's good. I like that. Otherwise, it would just be me and some strange guy, and this would be awkward. It's good that the rest of you are here. Okay? But we're not content with just having you here. 
and having some numbers. Because God isn't content with just having some people and having some numbers. But God wants us to become something else. How many of you know that this morning, that God doesn't just want you here, but he wants you to change? That God has a life for you that is larger than the one you're living now. Not, I'm not saying you're all living awful lives, but there's an element of your life that can be so lifted and there's things about your life that can be so improved when you begin to follow Jesus and, and, and attach yourself to him and what he says you should do. And I love this because Jesus says this, this is an important thing. He doesn't just say to them, just follow my commands. Just do what I've already done you. Just pretend to be me. He says, look, love each other. Love each other. Don't just do this, do that. Don't go and get a church building. Go and, go and do this. Love each other. And this is an important thing. But now we're going to ignore this. We're going to come back to that in a while. So hold that thought in your mind. And we're going to go somewhere else. So we're going to carry on in John. And we're going to go to John 15. So I'm going to have the next screen, man. And this is a, Jesus continuing to speak to them. And he's saying a similar thing. But there's something in here I just want to kind of look at quickly. So it's John 15, verse 12 and 13. Jesus says this, I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And then he helps us out. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. So if it's so important, if Jesus is so concerned that you and I learn to love the people around us, Hopefully your first question, my first question would be, well, how do I do that? What does that mean? How do I go about doing that? Because I, I feel like I'm a pretty nice person. Yeah, I kind of love people. It's nice. But what do you really want from me? And here's Jesus explaining something, giving us some help, giving us some helpful tips. And you've probably heard this verse. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. And I don't think any of us would disagree that actually the act of sacrificing your life is essentially an act of love. I think, and uh, I'm assuming a lot of stuff here, but I imagine that's fairly universally accepted. That if you were to risk your life for someone, and it cost you your life so that they could have theirs, someone would say, man, you must have really loved that person. You must have really valued them. Let me just uh, ask you for a show of hands. Who has saved someone's life? Okay. You're a paramedic, Dave. You're cheating. Any normal people. <laughs> okay, not many of you. But uh, let me tell you a story, right? Because I'm a saviour. You're supposed to be surprising. That's good. All right. um, when I was around, I think, eight or nine, something like that, I was, I was walking to school and I was pretty chuffed because I was allowed to walk to school and I had my own door key now and his life was becoming, I was like, I'm a man. Um, and the school wasn't too far from my house and, and a bunch of us, uh, my kind of junior school mates, we'd walk together, you know, in a pack, as you do, climbing on walls and being horrible. And uh, I remember walking to school, and I was walking with my friend Glenn Davis, okay? Glenn Davis. I'm trying to find this guy on Facebook or something. I can't find him. He must not be alive anymore, because if, if you're not on Facebook, you're not alive, right? Um, which is a shame. Anyway, so I'm walking along with Glenn Davis and my mate Paul Creer and some other people, and we're, we're getting really near school. And you know, it gets very busy traffic-wise near school. And we're, we're just crossing the road. And Glenn Davis is walking just in front of me. And as any good eight or nine-year-old, paying no attention to the outside world. 
Okay, just off in a fantasy land somewhere. At this point, my spider sense goes off. Danger. Okay. Um, and I, I, I get the sense oh, there's a car coming. And I look, and I call my, there's a car, and I think it was a Volvo, hurtling down the road. And you know, if you're going to get hit by a car, don't get hit by a Volvo. Seriously, they can hit a building and come off a riot. Okay, so this Volvo is coming down the road and my mate Glenn is pretty much in the middle of the road now paying no attention. I think it might have been in the yo-yo phase. So he might have been doing that. I'm not sure. Um, and I thought, this is my moment. Like, I've got to save him. So I bounded across the road and I rugby tackled him and knocked him flying. And we both kind of landed. Well, he landed and I landed on him on the other side of the road. And the car zoomed by. And I thought, I am a saviour. Man, I am a good friend. And Glenn Davis got up and he couldn't be angry or knocked him over. He's like, what are you doing, you idiot? And I was like, I'm your saviour. I was following the commands of Jesus even before I knew him. And now I wasn't recognised. But in that moment, I just saw a simple thing. It's my friend. I love this guy. I wouldn't have said I loved him then because men don't do that. Okay, we don't do that. We should do. We don't. And uh, in that moment, I was like, I, I love this guy, I value this guy, I don't want him to die. So I acted. I did it. And I guess that any of us, maybe not all the time, maybe sometimes you, you hesitate, but essentially most of us would say that's what we do. If you saw a pram with a baby in it roll into the road, every single one of you, if you could, would run and move it, would try and grab it out, okay? You just do it. Over the centuries, so many people have laid down their lives in wars and in conflicts and all kinds of stuff. So we understand what Jesus is talking about here. But actually, I think there's something beyond this as well. I don't think Jesus here just means physically giving up your life so someone else gets to keep theirs. I think there's something more. But to find out, we're going to have to go back a bit in John to John 13. And we're going to look at a moment where Jesus does something, which I think is showing us part of what he means by by laying down his life. Ultimately, Jesus would lay down his actual life. But there are moments before where Jesus fleshes it out and takes it a bit beyond that. So we're going to go there. It's in John 13. It's quite a famous passage. Just going to read it. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He now showed the disciples the full extent of his love. It was time for supper and the devil had already enticed Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to carry out his plan to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet. And to wipe them with the towel he had around him. So here's a moment, and and this is like the last meal. The reason, part of the reason Jesus is my saviour is because he loved a good meal. Jesus would turn up, get up in a town, and the first thing he would do is not heal people and preach. He would say, I'm coming to your house for dinner. Seriously, read the Gospels. It's true. Okay? And this is his last moment with the disciples. And it says here that Jesus is fully aware of who he is. Jesus knows he's God. 
Jesus is aware of his character, his personhood. And this is his last moment with these guys. He knows that one of the group that he loves, that he chose, is going to betray him. But he's going to have this little moment with them. And Jesus takes things beyond the normal. In the culture of Jesus, um, it was another 2,000 years before Nike Air Jordans would be on the scene. Okay, before Air Max or, or, or Caterpillar boots or anything. So the footwear was sandals, okay, and the terrain was dusty and dirty. So walking around the dusty hills and towns of Palestine, you would get dust and sand. And this was in the days before Poopa Scoop. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, so all kinds of matter would be on your feet. Okay, and what would happen in most places when you, you booked a room or you went to an inn or something, there would be a servant who would come and wash your feet. And it was the lowest of the low. He was the lowest servant. The other servants would pick on him, you know. And that was the custom. And especially when you had like a dignitary, when you had someone of, of esteem come into your house, you would make sure that their feet would be washed, that they would have some oil for, for their face, that they would be cared for. But Jesus gets here and it's almost like Jesus has dismissed that servant. And at this point, Jesus, knowing exactly who he is, exactly how powerful he is, exactly um, the resources at his disposal with regards to being God's son, he actually does a shocking thing. A shocking thing is he takes on the role of the lowest servant. And he begins to wash the rubbish off of the feet of his disciples. Now, I don't know if this is an alien concept to you. This is a difficult concept for me. But this, I found this to be true, and I am understanding this more and more. When Jesus came, okay, when God became a man, he had to decide to lose some things. Okay? In the, if he was going to become a man in one place, he couldn't be omnipresent. He couldn't be everywhere at once. He had to be in one place in Jesus. If he was going to become a man, he had to lose his, his omniscience. He couldn't know everything and hear everything that's going on. Because he had to be there, concentrating. So God had to decide, what parts of my character can I just strip off but still retain who I am? And part of what it says in a book called Philippians, later on in the New Testament, it says that when Jesus came, he took the likeness, the nature of a servant. And scripture also tells us that Jesus represented God exactly. So this might be a shocking statement for you. You might not understand this. This might not compute. But Jesus said of himself, I have not come to serve. Uh, sorry, that's not what he said. He said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and be the servant of all. So in this moment, Jesus shows, and actually in the scriptures it says that, right at the beginning it says, and now he showed the disciples the full extent of his love. This moment was not Jesus in a pity moment, Jesus confused. But Jesus showing them his love, how much he, he cares for them. By taking the lowest position and washing their feet. And I love this. I, love, I don't know about you. When you think about uh, having God's powers, does anyone ever do? Is that, you think like, what if you could magic things up and, and what if you, you had all knowledge and stuff? I kind of, in my mind, I, I, I'm going to a Ferrari garage and, and zapping them to my house. 
and, and, I, and I'm taking revenge on anyone who's ever cut me up or anyone who's ever had 12 items in a 10 items or less queue. I'm, getting, I'm smiting them, okay? Because all of a sudden, if I'm thinking I've got the power, I'm, I'm using it in a bad way. But what I love about this scripture is it says that Jesus knew exactly who he was, exactly how powerful he was. Let's just, let me just take you here for a second. It says Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything. And that he had come from God and he would return to God. But then it says this. So, he got up and served. Jesus knew who he was. But he didn't wield his power in a, in a mean way. He didn't lord it over people. Because he knew who he was, he served. Our God, the Jesus we worship, is in some way a servant. And when he loves us, sure he lays down his life, but also he serves. Let me tell you a story. Um, the other day, I, I got, I got um, a daughter called Maylee. She's 11 months old. She's the cutest thing in the world. Okay, I know you think you've got a cute child. You're wrong. Uh, your child is not good looking. Mine is. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, I was out the other day, okay, on Friday, uh, this is my Monday, so I work Sunday to Thursday is how my world works, and Friday's daddy day, because my wife's at work, so I have daddy day with Maylee, so we get up, and we, we have breakfast, and we chill out, and then we'll go for a walk, we'll go to the park or something, or we'll watch one of daddy's films, um, okay, so, uh, which is, don't tell your mum you've seen this, um, just tell her it was in the night garden, not Rambo, um, okay. So I went out and I thought, we'll go out. So I walked up to Marshallswick, the quadrant, which is a place near my house, about, about five, ten minutes walk. And I've got the pram and we're, kind of, we're cruising. You know, I've got a drifter and a, a bottle of Coke. And, and uh, I'm just walking along and I've been to the shops to get some milk or something. And we're just hanging out and she's all like, ook, ook. Because that's the only word she knows right now. Um, let's not be hard on her. Uh, and I'm coming back and I'm walking along the road. And all of a sudden, at the corner of my eye, I see this, this, this old woman. Bit of a hunchback, you know, very, very kind of thin white hair. And she's really weighed down with shopping. And, uh, and obviously you're not going to get this if you're on a podcast, but visually this is what's happening. And she was speeding. And she's like going so slow and I look over. And you know when you get that moment like, I should do something. And you think, eh, I don't want to. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? You get that moment where you know what you should do. But then you get that, uh, I'm busy <laughs> doing anything else. Well, I had those moments, and I hate those moments. So I've been declaring war on those moments. So I thought, I'm going to go and help this woman. Maybe this is not a big thing for you. You don't even think about it. You're so good, but I'm a little bit behind you. So I thought, I'm going to go and help this woman. So I, I, I crossed over the road. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is just the largest Christian cliche you've ever heard. Young Christian man helps old woman with shopping. Okay, I understand that. Okay, I hate cliche, but this is what happened. Okay, so I walk over, and at this point, she'd sat down on a bus stop bench, um, and I thought, oh, maybe she's maybe she's uh, going to get the bus. So it's all right. I'm, I'm off. I'm off the hook. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, but it turns out she was just so tired, she sat down. So I pulled up alongside her in in, in the pram, and I said, uh, "Excuse me, can I help you?" And there was no response. She obviously got some hearing issues. I said, can I help you? <laughs> like that. And she went, ooh. I said, can I help you with your shopping? Ooh, I'd like that, she said. And I thought, I bet you would love. And uh, so I took the shopping off of her. 
And uh, actually, to, to be, I'm not that chivalrous, I hung it on the pram. Okay? Because let's do it, right? You know, we've got a pram. Let's not work too hard here, Rick. Um, so I'm doing this, and we begin to walk. And now, this is where things begin to break down a bit for me. Because I thought, once relieved of the burden of her shopping, she could pick the pace up a little bit. <laughs> I thought, like, you know? Like, <laughs> seriously, like, come on. And I, think, and I think it wasn't that the shopping made her slow. I think she was just slow. So all of a sudden, she's like this. And I'm like, oh, no. You know. And I'm like, where do you live? Oh, just down there, around there, down there, up there. Okay. So I'm walking along, trying to make small talk, you know. And, then we're, and it went on for ages. And I'm like, oh. And then we get to a certain point in the road, and they're re-tarmacking or something in the pavement. So it's a really busy road. So I had to cross the road with her, trying to keep her alive, and my baby, and myself. And I've only just mastered the road crossing myself. And I had to get there and then get back over, and eventually we get to a house. By this point, I'm old. Okay? And uh, I say goodbye, God bless, and I take the bags up and put it in her porch and that. She's like, oh, thank you very much. Not many people help. And I'm like, yeah, God bless. Thanks, see you later. And, uh, and we trundle off. I think that when Jesus talks about us laying down our lives, when he talks about us loving one another, I think, yeah, he does mean those extreme moments where uh, it will cost us dearly. But I think as well, he means everyday moments where it costs you time. I think it means everyday moments where it's just awkward for you to stop and love on someone. Because the extreme things for you and I are easy. They're easy. When a family member is in amazing stress, when some catastrophe happens, you can get there and you can solve it. When you see an accident or something in the road, you can go and you can help. These big things in life, in those moments, it's easy to follow Jesus and his command to love people, to love each other. Those are the easier moments. But actually, when there's just someone... Who is going to slow you down? When it's just a moment where it's going to mess with your routine. When it's just a moment where you're just going to have to lay down some of what you want. That's the difficult place. Right? That's the difficult moments. But for me, this is where Jesus commands us to love one another. And part of my question for you today is where can you lay down your life? Sure, you've come here. You've been gathered by God. You've maybe been gathered by us. You've been invited here this morning by a friend, neighbor, one of your families, you know, whatever. You got here. And some of you come here every week and you love it. You love the worship. You love the stuff. You, you maybe go to a small group, which is great. You may be involved in a team. That's awesome. But are there areas in your life where it, it, when Jesus says you're supposed to love one another, you need to go, actually, I, I can go further in this area. I can love more. I can go beyond where I am right now. Let's go back to where we started. That first verse or verses. Let's read them again. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So we're to love one another 
not just in our best estimate of what love is. We're not to just love the people that we like. Because that's, that's easy, right? To love the people you love. But we are called to love like Jesus loved. And in that moment I took you to where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. He washed their feet and he washed the feet of Judas. He washed the feet of Judas. And Jesus, we know from that scripture, he knew everything that was going to happen. He knew what that moment he was. He didn't just love the people who loved him. He didn't just love the people it was easy to love. He loved and he served everyone around him. And for you and I, our measurement of loving people shouldn't just be our best estimate, but it should be the example of Jesus. In everything we do, we should go, how would Jesus do this? Where would Jesus be right now? And some of you might have a religious view of Jesus and you're going to have to get rid of that. And you might think that Jesus is just involved in these certain acts, these glorious moments, when actually Jesus is involved in the nitty gritty. I firmly believe if Jesus was at the shindig last night, he would be setting the best time on the bucking bronco. Okay? This is just who I think Jesus is. Jesus is just this magnetic personality, this wonderful guy who loves people and loves life. And you and I, we're followers of Jesus, we're called to go after him, to chase him, to let him be our example in how we treat people every day. And it says in this scripture, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Do you know, and this can be a heavy thing sometimes, that if you're a follower of Jesus today, your relationships with people, not the people in this church, but your relationships with anyone you know should in some way show that you've met God. When you interact with someone, and I know at different times, you, 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 different levels of interaction. You, know, you, you go to the supermarket, that's one level. At work, people you've known for five years, that's a different level. But in some way, they should get the aftertaste of Jesus. They should get that something was strange about them. And there are moments in your life you're going to get chances to be Jesus and to go that bit further, to give a bigger tip, to push just that little bit beyond where you're comfortable, to assume the place of a servant. Okay? There's going to be moments in life when God will just tell you just to assume the place of a servant. I remember early on in my Christian career, I did a weekend away and my friend was the worship leader and I was the preacher and we were like, we finally made it. Billy Graham status and uh, we were so chuffed and we did the conference thing and we were just about to leave just about walking out the door and Phil the guy who'd organized it says where are you going we said well we go and you know we're so tired from the preaching and the worship leading and he said to us no you're there's stuff to be done and we were like well okay what you know we'll, we'll dust something he says we've got to clean the toilets well good and he gave me a broom, uh, well not broom, uh, a mop and uh, a bucket and some clean stuff. He said, go and clean the toilets. And I got down on my knees and I cleaned uh, the toilets. And I didn't want to, but I learned in that moment that following Jesus isn't about just making us puffed up and better. But actually following Jesus is about, yeah, you get to feel better. God encourages you, God builds you up. But at the same time, he tells you, you need to serve as well. 
To love people like I loved people. You lay down your life in huge ways and you give up your life in little ways just by not demanding and clinging to your rights. I don't have to do this, I'm this, I'm that. I'm a businessman, I'm this, I've got my own kids, I've got my own problems. You don't get to do that if you're a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus calls you to love each other just as he has loved you. And if we do that, if we follow Jesus in that, the people around us will know it. And they'll begin to go, that's different, I like that. Seriously, if you were to pick one person in your life, okay, let's, 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 let's bring this down to the ground. If you were to pick one person in your life, and make it a difficult person, don't make it like your wife, <laughs> sorry, or, or your best friend. Pick one person in your life and decide, I'm going to do everything I can to love them. I'm going to give them my time, I'm going to give them my money, I'm going to give them my efforts. I'm going to bless them, I'm going to encourage them, I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to buy them gifts, I'm going to do whatever I can. If you did that, man, that would change things. And try it, just try one person and you begin to listen to the questions they might ask. Begin to see how much more they want to be around you. Everybody loves this. Everybody loves to be served and cared for. And the truth of you and I is, without sin, this was our destination. That God always meant for you and I to have great relationships and to care for one another. Not putting ourselves over anyone, but caring for everyone. Can I have the band back up? We're going we're gonna to finish. Would you guys mind standing up? I'm just going to pray for you guys and then we'll worship.